0: War in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508 508- propane heating and cooling it's propane plus their team's been there three generations they're available 24 7 for service and delivery and they plan on serving you for a long time to come they offer online billing ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button and remember all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment it's propane plus and remember with propane it's affordable sustainable equitable good for the environment and now it's renewable call propane plus today at 401-885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website depietro.com. It is Wednesday and inflation is not getting any better. Now, President Biden still is insisting that he is the best person. Listen to him going after someone saying that he's the best chance. People still need to vote for him. Listen to this exchange. He goes right up to a reporter.
1: 92% of Democrats, if I ran, would vote for me. A majority of Democrats say they don't want you to run again in no. 2024. But 92% said if I did, they'd vote for me. Will you shake the Crown Prince's hand? Will you shake the Crown Prince's
0: hand, sir? So that is him uh, saying he would still... Uh, how about folks, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci? We can't put the pandemic behind Just us. And feel and hope that it doesn't exist. It does. Everybody wants to put this pandemic behind
1: us and feel and hope that it doesn't exist it does
0: Everybody. he doesn't want to live without it that's for sure all right let's go to the latest inflation numbers
2: The prices are greatly impacting americans with johnson joins us now with more on that good morning with Robin, good morning. This report is a critical tool in assessing the health of the U.S. economy, and some analysts are expecting even more bad news today, possibly a new 40-year high on inflation. Last month's report showed inflation hitting 8.6 percent, that was the highest since 1981, Overall, this is costing Americans an extra $460 per month on the same goods, according to Moody's Analytics. The national average for the cost of rent is up 25.5% from a year ago. A one-bedroom apartment now more than $1,700 per month. Oil and gas prices were extremely high in June. Those prices have come down a little, but that will not be documented in this report. So economists will be watching to see if there's any signs of cooling when it comes to inflation. If that doesn't happen, it would likely add to growing fears of a Possible recession, Robin. And what you just mentioned the drop in gas prices, and there's some indication they could go even lower. Yes, Robin, we've seen oil prices start to come down. It will likely drive down gas prices even more. Right now the average for a gallon of gas is four sixty-five. That's still a dollar fifty more than it was a year ago. But GasBuddy predicts that prices could go down to four fifty a gallon in the next week, and possibly even more by
0: August. Look at that, folks! I mean, it is just not getting any easier. Now, how about the surveillance video from Robb Elementary School, Uvalde, Texas? It's it's rough.
3: Only showing edited portions. John King is in Uvalde with more on the reaction to those Uvalde. images and the police officers' actions on that day. Good morning, John. You
4: no, know, Amy. Overnight, this community livid over the fact that the video was shown before the families got a chance to see it. Frankly, it's difficult for us to show it, but it's the first time we're seeing the law enforcement response and the failure to act. A warning. This is disturbing to watch. This morning, the chilling surveillance video showing the rampage inside Robb Elementary School stoking anger. These families were blindsided They it shouldn't have been done this way.
3: We're the parents that lost our children. We're supposed to do this together
4: first. In the newly broadcast security video, you see the gunman crash his truck outside the school. He gets out, firing multiple rounds at two witnesses who run as the heavily armed shooter fires directly at the building. <laughs> Desperate 911 calls go out. <laughs> Yet, moments later, in the surveillance footage obtained by ABC affiliate KVUE and the Austin American Statesman, you see the gunman inside. They released it to provide transparency to the community. ABC News is not showing all of it. As the gunman entered the first class at 11.33 a.m., a young boy heading down the hallway spotted him. He runs away as shots are fired. Three minutes later, at 11.36 a.m., officers are in the same hallway. Bullets from the shooter's rifle grazing two officers, who double back. At 11.52, more officers with rifles, ballistic shields, helmets, and bulletproof vests arrive. Guns drawn, but they do not confront the suspect. By 12.03 p.m., more than a dozen law enforcement officers were inside the school from local, state, and federal agencies. 48 minutes go by. The shooter fires another four rounds, but still no rescue attempt. At 12.50, 77 minutes after the shooter entered the school, a team finally breaches the classroom to kill the gunman. 19 students and two teachers lost their lives
3: it's just never-ending pain it's
4: just one thing after another now in recovery after being shot watching the video reinforced the trauma of what happened to fourth grade teacher arnulfo reyes who was inside classroom 111 on may 24th knowing that i was just a It's just heartbreaking, you know. Many of the families of the victims here in Uvalde are in Washington D.C. for a rally there later today. They're demanding a national ban on assault weapons.
0: No, I believe, folks, um, <clears throat> and again, the footage of the gunman inside the, the just strolling casually through the hallway—it's it's really frightening. There's a piece in the Washington Post. Show the body after Uvalde. Highland Park, Parkland, Sandy Hook, is a time for the news media to publish photos of the victims of mass murder by Paul Ferrani. So, you know, an argument could be made. He writes When Chicago Sun-Times editor saw the photos last week, this was the editor for the Chicago Sun-Times, Jennifer. Her first thought was, Oh my God, we can't run these. They show carnage and chaos. Victims of the July 4th Parade shooting sprawled on sidewalk streets, blood pouring from jagged wounds caused by a man armed with a high-powered rifle. The images left her facing an old, news dilemma, uh, old newsroom dilemma, should they be published. On one hand, the photos taken by the veteran reporter Lynn Sweet happened to be at the parade during the attack. Clearly newsworthy, graphic evidence of mass shooting in the sometimes backyard. But the editor also knew publishing them could upset victims' families, or offend readers who aren't used to seeing gruesome images in a mainstream publication, or could be—here's the thing—seen as exploitation. Sometimes, ultimately, published just one of the photos on its website shows a victim covered by a blanket except for one hand, with blood flowing from the body down the steps of the plaza. The newspaper waited till the victim's family has been informed of the deaths, placed the photo behind a screen that warned viewers before they clicked through the images, graphic and disturbing. Please consider the potential for trauma. Exercise caution. They decided to withhold the photo from the print so readers wouldn't stumble across it. Even with its caveats and cautions, sometimes decision to publish photo was unusual. Graphic images of violent crime rarely published or reared by mainstream news outlets. Few will show blood or a victim's face. But amid an epidemic of mass shootings, some journalists argue... Traditional notions of restraint amount to an evasion of journalists' responsibility to depict reality. We cannot sanitize these killings, tweeted Nancy Barnes, NPR, senior vice president. After 19 children, two adults were killed in Texas. That in itself is an editorial decision. Show the bodies, journalism dean David Boardman at Temple University argued. Put on display newspapers, television, photograph or three that can finally help the American public understand what happens when a weapon designed for modern warfare is unleashed on innocent, unarmed people, like a ten-year-old at school. Even in an age of ubiquitous cell phone cameras, photos such as Sweet's aren't typically available to the press after a mass shooting. News photographers often don't arrive till the police have locked down the scene. Security cameras provide a record of the uh, glory aftermath, but authorities often withhold this, reducing the news value. Even when journalists do obtain images, they tend to withhold the most disturbing details. After an attack killed 60 people, wounded 400 at that outdoor concert in Las Vegas. The deadliest mass shooting in U.S. history, 2017. The Las Vegas Review Journal maintained highlighted images of grieving survivors and police, not blood and bodies. The Austin American Statesman website published surveillance footage yesterday from Texas. They noted the sound of children screaming has been removed. As general practice, we avoid publishing graphically violent images. We do that out of respect to the victims of violence and out of respect to our readers. In rare cases, when the newspaper breaks from that tradition, it warns readers in big, bold text. Where they scroll across something graphic, day-to-day decisions about which photos to publish are a moving target. One day we may uh, do something and we wouldn't another. There's no super hard, fast rules. He writes, news organizations have wrestled with questions while publishing violent images as far back as the Civil War, photos of the dead. Shocked and fascinated the public. But the modern media also knows the power of a horrific image. Jet Magazine's photos of the mutilated body of the black 14-year-old Emmett Till helped energize the civil rights movement in the 50s. The mother explicitly solicited the photos. Photos of death and trauma galvanized opposition to the Vietnam War. Photos of that dead Syrian children on a beach in Greece. And the girl who died trying to cross the Rio Grande. Brought international attention video the murder well the death of George Floyd led to worldwide protest and published images of Russian atrocities Ukraine elicited worldwide people condemning it news editors should avoid creating a sadistic image culture that desensitizes readers and viewers exploits victims and re-traumatizes survivors often other kinds of reporting can be more effective He suggests journalists ask themselves, is blood the only way to jolt the public conscience? The writer goes on, in fact, it's impossible for any journalist to know what impact a disturbing image will have on the public. Would showing the devastating effect of an assault weapon on a fourth grader's body alter the debate about gun ownership or merely repel people? Could publishing such photos, could publishing such photos even inspire new attacks Decision often depends on the nature of the victims. Many US, U.S. news outlets ran photos of the former Japanese prime minister, public assassination. But for most crime victims aren't public figures. They're usually only individuals known to a small circle of people. The Sandy Hook murders published, alarmed by the possibility photos of Sandy Hook would be published over the victims' wishes of victims' families, the state of Connecticut passed a law sealing all official photos and documents of homicide victims. And the reaction among the Sun-Times readers to the photos was generally muted. A few criticized the paper for if it bleeds, it leads mentality. Others were more favorable. Thanks for being courageous, showing what really happened. Sun-Times was not the only news media outlet to publish a graphic image from the July 4th shooting. publishing the photo may be a sin, but the greater sin is the crime it depicts. Standing by it is a sin too. That's going to be the debate. I vote in favor of let people see the photos. Let people see the photos. That's the only way to get a depiction. And folks, if people saw the images of what happened to those children in Sandy Hook, of what happened to those children in Texas, let people then decide what's the appropriate action. This portion of the program brought to you by pr landscape materials and garden center stop in see everything available annuals perennials trees and shrubs, hanging pots 10 inch 12 inch moss baskets hanging in patients large selection beautiful patio pots vegetable plants and herbs they're open seven days a week they are a full-scale nursery Rhode island's number one garden center it's pr landscape materials and garden center gift certificates are available again look for them on facebook located 3688 quaker lane in North Kingstown. They're open seven days a week. Shop local. Steve Debbie Jr. Byron. It's PR, Landscape Materials, and Garden Center. Folks, you are listening to The John DePetro Show. Folks, you're listening to The John DePetro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Joining us right now, author of The Bodies of Others, New Authoritarians, COVID 19, The War Against Humans, is the one and only Naomi Wolf. Naomi, it's The John DePetro Show. Congratulations on your new book.
3: Thank you so much, and thank you for having me.
0: Walk us through a little bit, the bodies of others and the new, authoritar- new authoritarians.
2: Absolutely.
3: So the basic premise of the book is that, unfortunately, uh, the pandemic of the last two years was a pretext for a handful of bad actors, ranging from... Bad nonprofits like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, to bad transnational entities like the World Economic Forum, which is recently in the news with uh, a power grab uh, against everyone, basically in the world. Um, bad tyrannical nations like the CCP, like China, and uh, and and big tech companies specifically, um, to basically make war against the West, to make war against America in particular, Um, we are a special target, to make war against American values and culture and kind of emotional reactions, and specifically to target our children um, to kind of change our world so that it would be a post-humane world in which... Uh, we basically have to ask permission of technology and our overlords in order to just do human things and have basic human communication and connection, um, and that they did it for profit, um, and that, you know, basically they exploited policies which really turned out to have made no sense medically, like distancing, which didn't do anything, or closing everything down. You know, the data are in that states that closed down, like, Florida did exactly the same as states I'm sorry, other way around. States that were wide open like Florida did the same as states that closed down like New York. Countries that closed down did the same as countries that stayed open like Sweden. Um, you know, data are in that masks barely make a difference except to lower our kids IQ by twenty one points, according to a Brown University study. Um and so all but you know, all of these policies that don't make sense medically and people are scratching their heads saying I don't get it. You know, masks don't work. I don't get it. Distancing doesn't work. Uh, nothing's, is working. Um, they all really do make sense if you look at the goals of tech companies and the profits that they made in the last two years. And basically, I'm a CEO of a tech company. So I do understand this. Um, tech companies are really jealous of human capabilities. They can't compete with them. Uh, An emoji can't compete with a smile. You know, um, nothing you can do on digital platforms is as impactful as getting together with 300 of your neighbors in a town hall or worshiping together in a church or synagogue or in-person learning of your child in a classroom with other human children and a human teacher. So with lockdown policies, they were able to really kill off that competitive advantage that human beings have in human communication, human culture, human spaces, and shift um, all that activity with all of that profit onto digital platforms. And I show um, the reader and the bodies of others how uh, these companies' net revenue went up by, you know, 20 to 40 percent over the last two years as a result of suppressing human beings.
0: Folks, again, we're speaking with author Naomi Wolf. Naomi, now the front, p- the cover of the book is it's it's very uh, provocative. It's very compelling. Uh, when people see it, it's it's a child. It's a child with a mask on, and the hand. It's it's almost as if the um, the the child. It, it's kind of like uh, it looks like the child's in a prison. Uh, could you just touch on that? That's by, you know, that that's a very thought-provoking cover, and I think it's by design.
3: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And thank you. I think, uh, I think the cover says it all. Um, it's really, I think, iconic of what we've been through in the last two years. And, and, you know, they're not letting up. I mean, I just heard in one of my earlier radio segments today that masks are going back on the poor children of San Diego and toddlers in New York city where i used to live um are are being subjected to masking and their 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 moms and dads are distraught but nothing they are doing or saying is making a difference um it is prison and you know look at Look at the the logical extension of this. Look at Shanghai. You know, students are rioting at great risk to their lives and their families um, because they've been imprisoned in their dorm rooms um, and not allowed to go home, not allowed to to circulate. Uh, You know, Shanghai, the the people of Shanghai were locked in, you know, not allowed to leave. You know, their, their homes were turned into prisons. In Australia, which you know, two years ago was a free, robust democracy. Um, there are quarantine camps where they run after you with armed guards if you try to escape. Uh, in New York State, where I live, and in Washington State, there are regulations. We narrowly defeated the one in Washington State, but Governor Hochul is coming at us in New York State with the same regulation to create quarantine camps where you can be held indefinitely pending, a you know, court appeal. Um, if you've been quote, exposed to a blood-borne pathogen. God knows what they have planned there with such specific wording, Um, but detained indefinitely. And people, and our whole nation has become a prison, and people just are not aware of it yet, Governor, I'm sorry, uh, President Biden extended emergency powers in April of 2022, uh, but this time in an open-ended way with no terminus date. and so what that means is that, and then he he flowed billions of dollars without going through Congress to Health and Human Services. Um, The methodology here and around the world is to weaponize public health, to use public health to, you know, send in shock troops basically and to and and to protect tyrants um but that's happened at the federal level and that means we're really not living under a democracy right now and the same thing is true in in new york state you know our governor re-ups emergency law every 30 days uh and uh and and there are 28 states across the country where people are living under emergency law and that means that if they want to send you know their public health mercenaries and declare you know an immediate public health crisis they can do things that ordinary civil society and the constitution do not allow them to do and we're seeing this battle right now in the united states that you know lawyers are saying to courts well the biden administration doesn't have the constitutional right to mask you on public transportation and those lawyers won you know there are lawsuits saying well the you know, government doesn't have the right to inject our military against their will with an experimental mRNA injection, gene therapy, um, and you know those fights are underway. Um, but this is this is a war being waged against us, and and even when you take a step back and you follow the argument I make in the bodies of others, even when technically we're not being soldered into our homes like the citizens of china um when you forbid a shop owner from opening his shop when you restrict people's assembly the way our assembly was restricted in lockdown i mean in new york state it was we were told we'd be fined if we had a you know a potluck of neighbors more than six people in our homes um or, or if we gathered to worship of more than six people right um You know, these restrictions, keep six feet apart. You know, don't let your child take his mask off or her mask off to breathe or to speak. This is carrying prison around with us. This is a conditioning of us to accept a feudal state in which we really are serfs and we really are at the mercy of whatever they will do to us next.
0: Folks, again, it's a very compelling book, and the author, a very, very provocative uh esteemed naomi wolf the bodies of others naomi before i let you go just one more thing What what's so disturbing is the irreparable damage done to children during covid it continues obviously you know that that child on the cover it it also just jumps out at me at what we're witnessing in texas children are growing up in a much different world
3: yeah yeah you're right um i mean i'm not i'm not sure do you mean by texas that they're exposed to
0: oh i meant that? i meant when i look at that i think of the children in the shooting that were mm-hmm. then you know it, it. i think one of the most dramatic parts of that is the the young child nine years old with, with the wherewithal to keep calling 9 one as God. as the adults were standing outside in the hallway and not not doing anything it was um it was more than a nine one one call it was it was a plea for help for all children and yeah. and the adults you know the adults let them down naomi congratulations good luck on your book tour excellent
3: thank you so much i appreciate you thank you
0: all right folks and again that is naomi wolf right here on the john DePietro show J perry paving folks you can depend on J perry paving they provide high quality Fair pricing, exceptional service, over 20 years' experience specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating patios, and much more. Call them today for a free quote 401 732 1730. J. Perry Paving. They are tremendous. They also, how about this, once a month they provide a free paved driveway to a veteran. And remember, whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed call j perry paving for a free quote it makes a huge difference in your property in your home in your driveway or patio 401-732-1730 j perry paving 401-732-1730 you can also find them on facebook they're terrific hey get that driveway paved call and book an appointment now 401-732-1730 for j perry paving listing to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11, we go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. It's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining me, he's the managing editor for anchorrising.com. It is Justin Katz. And Justin, I'd like to actually start off. Providence Journal has a story, and I want to give them credit because at least they're starting to draw attention to it. But I, I know uh, that people are not aware about what's about to happen Uh, So many possible glitches that could take place. But I'd like to hear your thoughts on the fact that uh, Rhode Island, and I think this is totally wrong. This should not happen. There's going to be mistakes and problems there. But the state is uh, moving into electronic voting.
1: Well, certainly the the problems are manifold. In fact, from what I understand, many national organizations, including some pretty left-leaning, and I believe Common Cause Rhode Island is on this list, oppose this move right now because it's just not ready um and there's so many risks and a lot of it seems to be certainly from that Providence journal article it seems to be uh driven by the company a company that intends to profit from this this shift who know they've hired lobbyists to try to get government to move in this direction Uh, and i i think it's I, i share your concerns that it's it's not secure and i think especially at this place at this time and place particularly i mean even just objectively put aside our political leanings after the last election and and all of that i think moving into something that raises even more questions about elections is a terrible terrible move i mean more than anything at this point we need just really a couple elections uh, where people are very confident that there were no sh- shenanigans, that everything was done according to the books. Uh, and this is just a, a step too far. It really makes you feel like people just want to be able to control the outcomes.
0: You know, it's interesting, Justin, that uh, excellent point. I agree. And, and on top of that, you know, those that are in favor of it, and, and there's some pretty couple of people that are very vocal. They All they talk about is that it's unfair for the disabled. Otherwise how, but, but, you know, what's never addressed is uh, how did they vote in the past? I mean, I, I just don't understand the nature. It's not like we have this large block of individuals that they say, you know, we've been sitting out these elections because we've been unable to to do it. It's it's there's there's no barriers. Um, you know, you think how far we're getting from the basis of an election day where that is the day. OK, you know, go to the polls. The polls are open. Cast your vote last-minute campaigning right up till the, the very end, and we're getting so far away from that. And now, you know, moving to electronic voting, Justin do we have to talk about the fact that the state's track record, whether it be UHIP or, you know, other instances, is not exactly stellar when it comes to confidence and how we can handle things like that.
1: Well, exactly, I mean I, I thought of UHIP as well. just the idea that we could we could pull it off is, is in itself, even if it were desirable. that's that's a major question mark in Rhode Island. But as far as the the reference to disabled people and so on, I, I mean it's it's just classic radical progressive rhetoric, right? You pick a group, a sympathetic group that maybe could benefit by the thing you want to do for some other reason, say, stealing elections. And you you focus on that group. So nobody asks any questions. You insulate the group. And we've talked about this with, with I don't know, when when progressives hide behind children or something, you know, you oh, you can't hurt the children, right? It's all just hiding behind them. And I, I think that's what we see with that is they, okay, we want electric ballot voting for whatever reason. What group can we put forward as our Quote in marketing, you call it the hero, as our yep. hero uh, to to be the uh, the face of this, so nobody can question our motives. It's all it's all good, and and who could possibly want to prevent the poor, disabled people from voting? And as you say, they've been voting, you know. And in fact, you know, exactly. just psychologically, I mean, just. It's almost. I'd almost prefer to give people something small they can do like that to feel like they've they've done something. They've participated as few full human beings, and they don't have to sit at home. and And they're they're too poor and disabled to, to actually go out right. and vote. I mean that that I, and to that I mean if if that's a, a kind of a tangent, but I think he, it, it goes speaks to the very different. The very different worldviews and idea of what our country should even be, where, as you say, you go out to the polls. This is what we do. It's how we express our, our democratic priorities and, and how we show we're fully participating in our society. No, no, no. You can stay home, click on the internet, give us your vote, and and that's good enough. You can just be a potato in your, in your room. And I, I think for all,
0: all those reasons, it really shouldn't be, I mean, it shouldn't even be a, a discussion, frankly it really should not and again folks our segment is politics this week with me is justin katz managing editor anchor rising.com just said it just it's so far away from you know you go to your local polling place and they call out your name many times it's actually very social uh but people like to be part of the the process i um i don't know how then you start to track that down and you're also exactly right someone who's a, a big blowhard on this is that re- retired judge who used to be part of the board of elections steve erickson anyone that screens up, he starts saying, my wife is disabled. Oh, are you saying you don't want her to vote? She can't vote because she's, di- how has she been voting in the past? Like, what are you talking about? And and so everything has to bend because, I mean, there are many, unfortunately, people who are disabled, but, you know, we, we there are restaurants that are handicap accessible. There's Richter's handicap accessible. Why, why is it that suddenly these, these people are unable to to vote. I I think uh, everything could just blow up uh, with this September primary. Now, also, I want to get your thought on two things. Number one, it's a big piece in uh, Politico where they talk about the fact that Democrats normally safe seats are really in the play. They highlight and have a photo of former President Mayor Alan Fung. But Justin, I'd like to get your thoughts on that newsmaker interview. I, I just couldn't believe the first segment. They do it in segments. The first line of questioning in the segment uh, for former Cranston Mayor Alan Funk, to his credit, he sat there, took it, answered it all pretty well. But boy, it is to me, it's almost like a parody of how they treat a Republican candidate for office. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, it's right that you connect those stories. And there, there are multiple where we're seeing examples of this, the national nationally partly because of joe biden partly because democrats are running everything and they don't run things very well democrats are in trouble and so they've got talking points and that one and true to form one of those talking points is point to the most extreme person we can find in the and in, in some red area so that we can we can hit the blue state republicans for this and that's what they do i mean that's that's i th- i think if alan Fung had a, had a really good response and was the right one is, you know, I think he was actually you know very lighthearted hearted about it. Like newsflash Republicans are going to take Congress and Rhode right. Island should have a voice in that majority party. Yes. You may not like them wherever they are across the country, but you, you need to have some say in what they're doing. You can't just sit on the other side and gripe like Cicilline. Uh, well, he didn't say that I am, but uh, the, uh, So I I think that's, that's exactly the, the issue. They're just looking for all these things. And it it is so, I mean, I was thinking about, you know, all the, all the various issues on the table and actually a a visiting priest in my, my church this weekend, (laughs) put it in a way I hadn't thought of. I mean, they, progressives are literally hunting down Supreme court justices. Yes. There's, there's, there's literally a group paying people yep. 50 to $200 to tell them where the justices are so they can go harass them in public and mob them. There's no question about that, right? There's, Oh, Alan Fung, what's your position on abortion? You know, they're, what about Ron DeSantis? There's no question of um, to Democrats. Oh, so Seth Magaziner, what do you think about progressives hunting down Supreme Court justices? I mean it's it's it just shows you how How very much the media, even if it's not an overt bias, they just so buy into and are so sympathetic to the Democrat side and a progressive side. I don't even know if they realize what they're doing. They just think this is kind of what journalism is and how it's done. And it's a real shame. But but it's so predictable at this point that, as Alan Fung showed, it's possible to to have a, a good response that kind of puts
0: puts them back on their heels a little bit. And just, I don't expect everyone to have seen it, but folks, the, the, you know, and again, I I respect Tim White. I respect Ted Nisi. I understand they feel the, I like the, you know, I, I have to ask you these questions. It's really, it's not a have to, it's they want to, but you know, the questions are about January 6th. The questions are about in 2024, would you vote for Trump? Uh, Are you going to cast a ballot for Kevin McCarthy? I mean, it's, it's one right after another. And Justin, that also ties in with, you know, the media, other than, I'll give credit to Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe that said, you know, I was really uncomfortable with that and I'm certainly not carrying it into its water. But at that langevin or press briefing where Lange, Congressman Langevin gave his endorsement to Seth Magaziner, the general treasurer, Magaziner takes the microphone and is instructing the media, okay, and you're going to help us get out there and you're going to help us do this against Mayor Fung. And and here's where your part comes in. Justin Katz, it was is as if he was addressing volunteers for the campaign that were ready to, you know, go out and knock on doors. Have you ever seen when they gather everyone around and we're going to go out and this is our message and everyone's got their marching orders. I I think that was one of the more remarkable pieces that I noticed that the, the local media doesn't want to talk about that. That's how Seth Magazine views them as part of the campaign.
1: Well, yeah, certainly Democrats have learned to, to do that. I mean, that's, that's just how, that's how it works. I mean, nationally, a lot of conservative pundits say, you know, it's a, the Democrat, the media wing of the Democrat Party is how they put yes. it. There's there's real there's real justification for that view. And as I said, it's, it's not it's not entirely clear to me that any of them realize what they're doing, even maybe Magaziner, to some extent, it seemed like he was saying, oh, well, we're just going to focus on the important facts and you're going to help us because you provide facts. But and they all think it's objectively reality but they're just they're they're just so in that group think especially around here and we, we've discussed over the last couple of years they they are overtly excluding alternative voices which is you know why all these news media organizations ought to have deliberately have people even if even if us conservatives are, are in a very small minority which you know i'm i'm not entirely sure we are in rhode island then that ought to be a represented voice, at least to put a little bit of fire and pressure on on the incumbents who control Everything from the Democrat Party in this state. Uh, so I say so again, I don't think they, I don't think they even realize how in lockstep they actually are, and how predictably, uh, predictably partisan they are. I think they think they're they're actually objective, and I, I don't know that Seth Mead magazine even thought he was giving instructions. He just it just came across because that's what they do. They just they're all in the same club, so to speak.
0: Folks, we're going to take a quick break. Much more ahead. Politics this week, Justin Katz, Managing Editor at com, right here on the John DePetro Show. The Centerdale Revival. Stop in and see them comfort food and cocktails. You're going to love the Centerdale Revival, located 2025 Smith Street, North Providence, right in Centerdale, right across from North Providence Town Hall delicious food delicious drinks live entertainment on the weekends shane and his crew they're waiting for you a great time is going to be had by all at the centredale revival 2025 smith street in north providence our segment is politics this week with me is justin katz managing editor at Anchorrising.com. Justin, just that i want to get your thoughts breakdown it uh, turned out to be the week that was uh senator tiara mack it became a national story it might have even been an international story but picked up, and I mean everywhere, and especially Tucker Carlson, the number one show in cable news. Uh, He focused on it three nights in a row. I was on Newsmax over the weekend uh, giving commentary about the Trump-Alaska rally. As soon as anyone hears Rhode Island, the first thing they jump out on now is uh, Senator Mack. You know, there's different elements to this, and I just want everyone to understand Because there's also insight to how the media works on this. So 4th of July, Senator Mack goes to, I think it was 4th of July or it could have been the Sunday, but anyway, the holiday weekend goes to Block Island with some friends and they're clowning around and she makes a TikTok video where she's upside down as people have seen and twerking and then closes it out by saying, vote Senator Mack. Now, some important elements of this, number one, I've always thought she's very immature. She's entitled to goof around with her friends on a day off. But what what should not be lost is she has two TikTok accounts. Now, a lot of people aren't on TikTok. I am. She has two. She has a personal one. And then she has a campaign one. She could have uplifted this to her personal uh, account and said, hey, listen, I'm entitled to a a personal life and and da-da-da. But no, she loaded it to the campaign account. And then she's even asking for the vote. How that story evolved and how the local media, to me, Still gave her a free pass. Warrants discussion. I want to hear your thoughts on the upside down twerking video. Jumping back. <laughs> well,
1: I think one one of the reasons it. it caught so much attention is it it is just such the such a great representation of the immaturity not only of Mac but of of, uh, I think older generations think of younger generations now in general and especially progressives and there's just just this this attitude I don't know if it's because they were brought up with this self-esteem philosophy where you know adults are supposed to cater to your needs and, and appreciate you no matter what you do but it's just that kind of I mean children for at least Decades have have gone out there and and rebelled to test and see how far can I go before somebody says you're going too far, stop it. And it, we've just we're kind of off the rails on that. And so that's her her attitude is they'll never take me seriously. I went to Brown. I'm a state senator, and they'll they'll never respect me. No, they, we don't respect you because you're upside down in a bikini shaking your rear end yes. on video that you're putting out there in public. And I think what's what's really lost here is, you know, respect is a two way street and. It is in her entire persona, certainly online, her entire persona. and, And even back in progressives, you think of Sam Bell going after Ruggiero right in the Senate while his family's there. Respect is kind of acknowledging the other person can have different more raised than you, and you reflect them. And when you're in public office, when you are a state senator, you are representing people. And even if a majority of your constituents love the fact that you're half naked shaking yourself on a video online for all to see, even if they all love it, a good a fair, some number, not more than more than say ten. Are really uncomfortable with that. And part of being in public office is to reflect that and respect that and respect the office as well and say, you know what, I'm in this office. Other people have held it that hold different views. Other people will hold it that have different views. I'm going to respect that. And I'm going to control myself with a little bit of self-respect and they, they, it's just completely out the window, and they, they turn it into a, an attack. And, and the, the questioning, I mean, even, you know, it's a its a real question to me whether any of the news media would have said anything about it if it hadn't been so so widely shared nationally and internationally. I think right. that's really- they I were mean, initially
0: I, not doing anything on it.
1: They yeah, exactly. They were
0: not doing anything about it. That's right.
1: Yeah, at first it's going to be- oh, go
0: the, You brought up a good point. It goes back to she first came into office- and she had that uh, that that photo, uh, picture site they did, the photo shoot, where it was, we're not coming to the table, we're bringing the table to the statehouse. And then Jean Vela said, that's a fierce pose. And then she did that interview where she said, I am a, a queer woman of color, her words, therefore, there should not be any negative press about me. Any press about me should be positive. Do you remember bringing, uh, pointing out that, Justin Katz, and we talked about it?
1: oh yeah absolutely
0: yes and so this carries over you know i was all over it on tuesday and wednesday and the local media channel 12 didn't do anything till friday channel 10 just said she turned down our request this was on tuesday channel 10 did a piece she turned down our request for an interview justin if that had been a republican and if it had been a white male republican you would have seen the reporter Knocking on the door. Hello, anybody? They would have done like that to the house. She did not want to go on by the time. The Providence Journal, by the way, has still yet to do anything about it. But even when they did, even the Boston Globe story on it said, you know, so and so uh, another uh, senator, Jonathan Acosta, brought out the elephant in the room that if it was a man, no one would be talking about it again. Giving cover for it. They framed it as the right-wing conservatives are upset about this. But Justin, the thing about her, and again, folks, our segment is politics this week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com. We're talking about that Senator Tierra Mack upside down twerking video. You know, Justin, but the local media, they're afraid of her. They are. And for you, you bring up a really good point with the respect goes both ways. She doesn't. She's a child, she's immature. She uses inappropriate an language and then claims, I'm a millennial. We drop F-bombs. We, I'm just authentic. She talks about cannabis. She, she was the leader of don't don't, uh, you know, don't forget about the, the defund the police, abolish the police. She, by the time Thursday rolled around, she got a suit out of the closet, put it on for Channel 10. And then Friday, that interview with Ted Nisi on Channel 12, they gave her four days to prepare for it. And still, I I can't believe that, you know, the stuff that she to me, she's just she's not maybe as an activist, but she is not suited, I don't think, for public office.
1: Oh, no, certainly unfit. I mean, having respect for for people and and a minimum of of cultural norms that. That is how we show respect for each other. I mean, even a minimum of that, she's just not fit to be in office. And, you know, I got to say, I'm not I'm not so sure the news media is as afraid of her as they are just sympathetic and they want her and progressives to see Good uh, to succeed. And and I'm not so yeah. sure that and I, I really am more and more. And I, I, I don't like to say it because I used to consider them at least friendly acquaintances. But a lot of these reporters, I'm not sure they respect people or Rhode Islanders or yeah. I I, I they're, they're just in her boat. I mean, you can. You mentioned yeah. how, the difference if this were, say, a white male Republican. Well, oh. I mean, first of all, look at um, uh, what's his name?
0: Justin Price.
1: John. Well, no, Jean. Uh, oh, Lugo. Lugo. I mean, it, it, suddenly international news on a on a two twenty two second doctored clip, and that's big. But. But if you if you look at Channel it,
0: 12 went to his house and knocked on the door. Yeah.
1: And, and in know? the past on something like this, especially something where it's cultural and norms and things that people would be embarrassed about, these reporters wouldn't just be knocking on their door. They'd be in the streets showing it on their yes. cell phones or tablet to people on the street. What do you think of this from Senator Mack? Yeah.
0: And oh, wow,
1: that's, ooh, that's kind of objectionable. And they, maybe they have one or two and go, ah, whatever. But but they'd be out there. What's the public actually think about this? They don't care. They don't want to know because they don't want to give the public, any indication that they maybe should have some reservations about this, and so that's why I, you know, I they. I think the disrespect for people goes right into the media, right into the statehouse I, at this point, And I think it, arguably it goes back to the, the digital voting. Right. I mean, it's just we don't we don't really even care if you're uncomfortable with this. We want to do it this way and, and yeah. we're going to do it. And, and if you if you don't like it, then it must be because you're, you don't like disabled people. And that's that kind of insult shows disrespect as well. And so I think that's that's what it comes down to. It's kind of like the characteristic of our, our local
0: uh, elite at this point in Rhode Island. You know, and, and another thing about Senator Mack is, um, you know, she also posted a video on TikTok where she went after the Senate president, Rogerio, over something that happened, a shoplifting thing that happened in the late 80s. When she did the interview with Channel 12, it wasn't even brought up. Like, gee, why did you also use this occasion and platform to start attacking the Senate president on that? And Justin Katz, is, there was also a woman posted at her on Twitter I saw saying, hey, listen, when you were canvassing, you, w- you went right by me. I live on your street. You don't even ask me for my vote. And and the woman is is Caucasian. And I think that's part of it. Mm -hmm. She has this thing of like, I don't need older people to vote for me because I'm a millennial. And the other part of this, Justin Katz, that no one brings up except I will, is Meyer Behrman Brophy, Brophy Behrman, who was August 1st of last year, was shot and killed right on Olney Street, which is Max District. If you go through all of her social media, 24-year-old girl from Warwick, white, shot and killed, a mistaken identity in a gang shooting. If you go through Senator Max' time, any of her social media and scrub it, you won't find one mention of that that girl was shot and killed. And, and at the same time, you know, she also posted on Twitter that she was getting death threats. Yet she's not even asked. Well, she was asked on Channel 12. Did you contact the police on that? Oh, no, I haven't contacted them. Well, that's because she wants to abolish the police. Uh, You could be right, sympathetic. But I I think we both can agree she gets favorable treatment from the local media.
1: Yeah, certainly. I mean, on a on a good interpretation, maybe it's it's almost her her whole candidacy and, and time in office is almost like a prank. And so maybe they just sort of feel like, "Oh, okay, well, it's just a prank. You can't take it too seriously." I, I don't know. Maybe that—that's the best I could do on for the on every half.
0: And and one more note on that, uh, Justin Katz, when she did, when they did uh, a big profile on her in the Boston Globe, and it was Ed Fitzpatrick. Now, again, the things I've mentioned, she is a big proponent of cannabis. She puts I. F love abortion, huge on uh, abortion provider. She, as I said, I found, you know, here it is, um, you know, someone was shot and killed in her district, and and not even a, a hint of it, um, um, anything about that. And then finally, when when there was a big profile on her, what does he ask her about? He asked her about, uh, you know, what's your favorite donut place, and also about, I think, about playing rugby. And Justin, one more thing. How about the fact the local media started to actually go along with her spin, which was she was only doing this to get attention for her, her, her issues, excuse me, I will twerk to draw attention to solitary confinement, I will twerk for trans rights, I will twerk to is that I, I believe that's maybe the worst spin I've ever heard in covering politics.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, what happened to like hunger strikes and things like that? We actually yes. sacrifice. Yeah, you, you know, going out there and being an immature kid on a beach in a bikini. You're you're not sacrificing yourself for your causes. That right. she, she likes the attention, and she and she. Gets positive reviews, I'm sure, from the people she actually cares about, uh, which includes the news media. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's it's terrible, terrible spin. But she doesn't have to spin, and that's kind of what makes her whole shtick a a a big game. And and frankly, what makes it disturbing is there there are no standards at this point for somebody in office. And she actually that was part of her spin too. I'm I'm pressing forward bravely to I'm I'm paraphrasing pressing forward (laughs) bravely to change the norms for people in public office. Well, no we have those norms for a reason the reason being if we don't have norms we're going to be at each other's throats all the time and right. that, that's that's what they want that's what progressives want marxists basically It's what they want they want to have they want people to be at each other's throats so they can get us distracted and we'll vote for their policies so yeah this is part of her activism and it's it's up to it's up to the rest of us including the shameful news media to to make sure that these these strategies and these pranks don't actually work that we don't have to be governed by adolescents
0: i also before we take a break i think this blew up on her i didn't i think she didn't think it through i think she's immature and her and her friends were goofing around uh they posted this she had no idea the backlash uh, i i think she loses her september primary she does have a primary against joe almeida he's running one he's been a rep uh, Dominic Ruggiero, there's nothing more he'd like to see Senator Mack defeated because she's a child uh, you can't deal with her, she, you can't take her serious, she's she's inconsistent, she's all over the place uh, and just her spin of, oh what, I'm not allowed to go to the beach, that's, that's what I wear at the beach a bikini, we're not talking about, you're filming yourself it's the upside down, it's the twerking, uh, that's a popular dance in the clubs, her narrative and spin is is just pathetic to listen to but I, I'm telling you, not only is she going to lose the September primary one year from now, she's not even going to be living in Rhode Island. She may be successful as an activist. Uh, you know, Ivy League educated. She's very outspoken. She likes to be out there. But I, I she was uh, she kind of got in a fluke situation. Mets had been there a long time. Uh, they kind of let their guard down as a presidential election. I, I predict she's going to be unsuccessful because, you know, this whole business of I'm the twerking person. That's that's how she's now known folks quick break much more ahead justin katz managing editor at anchorizing.com our segment is politics this week right here on the john DePietro show home again consignment located governor francis shopping center fine furniture art antiques glassware jewelry buy sell or sell in consignment and estate sales are provided It's Home Again Consignment. Call John, 401-463-3310. Again, located right in Warwick in the Governor Francis Shopping Center. Home Again Consignment.